Hello and welcome to Leaving Cert Classics, a student's guide. This is my podcast for your Leaving Cert. Let's get started. In this series of podcasts, my aim is to guide you through everything you're going to need for a Leaving Certificate. And I'm going to start very briefly by explaining what is on the course. So the course is quite nice. It's divided up into four sections called strands. Strand one is a world of heroes. If you've studied the Iliad before, this is a continuation from that. So you know what to expect. The ancient epics we're going to look at for leaving certificate are the Aeneid and the Odyssey. In strand two, we're going to look at Greek drama and Roman spectacle. We will look at what took place in the theatre in ancient Greece. And then we're going to look at what took place in the Colosseum and the Circus Maximus for Roman spectacle. Strand three is called power and identity. We look at how civilizations were conquered. We're particularly going to look at Alexander the Great. And we will also look at Julius Caesar. We'll look at how they conquered their territories. And I suppose in a modern context, we have to look at should nations be conquering territories at all. Strand four is gods and mortals. Here we look a little bit of philosophy, a little bit at funeral practices. We look at some Roman and Greek temples. And where we're going to start and talk about today is the gods. I would like if we very neatly could begin at strand one and go through chronologically to strand four. And largely speaking, that is what we're going to do. However, before we start and before we look at reading the Odyssey or the Aeneid, you need to know who the Greek and Roman gods are. So let's get started with the Greek gods and who they were. Now, when you think about Greek gods, you're probably thinking about the Olympian gods. If I say the name Zeus or Hera or Poseidon. These are the gods of Mount Olympus, and they were the principal deities in ancient Greek religion. They lived on Mount Olympus, the highest peak in Greece, and they were considered the most powerful and influential gods in the Greek pantheon. They were ruled by Zeus, the king of the gods, the god of sky and thunder. He is often pictured with a thunderbolt or an eagle. He is typically portrayed as a mature and regal figure. And his queen was Hera the goddess of birth and marriage. Often identified with a diadem, depicted with a pomegranate, which is the symbol of fertility. Zeus's brother was Poseidon, the god of the sea and earthquakes and horses. He is often shown wielding a trident, sometimes accompanied by sea creatures like dolphins or horses. Next, we have Demeter, the goddess of agriculture and fertility, usually depicted holding sheaves of wheat, often associated with a cornucopia or a torch. We also have Athena, the goddess of wisdom, warfare and craft, the patron goddess of the city of Athens. She is often shown with a helmet and a shield, carrying a spear and sometimes accompanied by an owl. Her brother was Apollo, the god of the sun, also the god of poetry and healing. Usually he's pictured with his lyre, the musical instrument, often a laurel wreath and sometimes with the sun behind him. There is Artemis, the goddess of the hunt and wilderness, also childbirth. 
She is often shown with a bow and arrow and accompanied by hunting dogs or deer. The god of war and violence was Ares. He was usually depicted holding or wielding a spear or a sword. Conversely, we have Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty and desire. She's often shown with a mirror or a shell, and she's sometimes accompanied by doves. We have Hephaestus, the god of metalwork, the god of the forge and of craftsmanship. He is usually depicted holding some kind of a tool associated with the blacksmith trade. He's often shown with a hammer. There is Hermes, the god of trade, travel and communication, often shown with a winged staff and two serpents wearing a broad trimmed hat. And there is Dionysus, everyone's favourite, the god of wine and pleasure and celebration. He will often be depicted drinking wine, sometimes accompanied by grapevines. And these are the major gods who lived on Mount Olympus. Now, you need to know who the gods are. You need to know what they are god of. And you also need to be able to recognise them in a picture. So know what their symbols are. Know what animals are associated with them. So for example, if you see a picture of an old man with a beard and a trident, that's going to be Poseidon. Now, we have two more gods to talk about before we finish this segment. Because two gods left did not actually live on Mount Olympus. They are, however, important gods and we need to know them. Hades, one of Zeus's brothers, he ruled over the underworld. He was the god of the dead. His realm was separate from the domains of the Olympians. He presided over the afterlife. Hades is often represented with a dark, stern appearance, carrying a horn of plenty or a cornucopia and sitting along Cerberus, the three-headed guard dog of the underworld. And our last Olympian goddess is Hestia, the goddess of the hearth, the home of domesticity. She was an important deity, but in some myth, she gave up her seat on Mount Olympus to Dionysus, and so she does not live with them on the mountain. So that's it. There are gods, they are our Olympians. Like I said, you need to know their names, you need to know what they are god of, you need to know what symbols represents them. So now we know who the Olympians are, our gods who resided on Mount Olympus. But that's not the beginning of Greek theology. For that, we have to go back two generations earlier. If you want to think of this as being Zeus's grandparents, it's not a perfect analogy. I wouldn't use it in an examination, but it's close enough. It kind of is what it was. Now, at the beginning, much in modern thought, actually, there was nothing. In modern thought, we have the Big Bang. The ancient Greeks believed that the earth began with a word called chaos, a boundless emptiness that held the seeds of creation. From nothing emerged Gaia, Mother Earth. Her form was a canvas for the wonders of all existence. She emerged from nothingness, from elemental form, 
embodying the world itself. And from her union with Uranus, the boundless sky, sprung forth their children, the Titans, the architects of mountains, of oceans, and of all things grand. But Uranus lived in fear, as many rulers often do, that he was going to be overthrown, and particularly by his children. And so he imprisoned his and Gaia's offspring, the Titans, along with their other children, the Cyclops, or Cyclopes, and the Hechicontaries. They were imprisoned in Darterus, a prison of shadow and sorrow, similar to a modern-day concept of hell. Now the imprisoned titans yearned for freedom, and amongst them was Cronus, the youngest, and he would rise and overthrow his parents. He wed Rhea, who was a tender-hearted goddess, and together they presided over a time of prosperity and of bounty. This age was known as the Golden Age. It was an era of harmony, free from the shackles of suffering and strife. However, Cronos, like his father before him, had a heavy heart, as a prophecy echoed through time, foretelling his own downfall at the hands of one of his own children, just as he had overthrown his own father, Uranus. In desperation to avoid this fate, he devoured his children once they were born. However, Rhea, grieving for her swallowed children, managed to rescue her youngest, a baby named Zeus. She concealed the baby in a sacred cave on the island of Crete. Zeus was guarded here by the vigilant Curates and water nymphs. As Zeus grew, so did his power. And when he reached manhood with the aid of Metis, a cunning titaness, they crafted a potion that would free his swallowed siblings. Poseidon, Hades, Hera, Demeter and Hestia, born anew, joined their brother in his divine rebellion. The heavens trembled and war erupted. An epoch of divine strife that would be etched in the annals of time, called the Titanomachy. Some titans realized that the tides were shifting and sided with Zeus and his brothers and sisters. For even in their ancient loyalties, they foresaw a new era dawning. The Cyclops were skilled craftsmen, and they gave Poseidon, Hades and Zeus gifts. The thunderbolt to Zeus, the trident to Poseidon, and a helmet of invisibility to Hades. And the gods, with their gifts from the Cyclops, clash with the remaining titans in a tumultuous warfare that lasted a decade until eventually the titans were vanquished. They were sent back again to the depths of Tartarus and thus Zeus, the young god with a thunderous roar and lightning's flash, ascended to power, ushering in a new era called the Age of the Olympians. So there you have it, the origins of Greek religion, of Greek mythology, from Gaia to Zeus, in about 10 minutes. Now, there is one last thing that we need to go through before 
we're ready to start with the Odyssey. We've spoken about the Greek gods. We've used the name Zeus, Hera, Poseidon, etc. We know that Zeus is the king of the gods. Hera is wife, the goddess of marriage. Poseidon is the god of the sea, etc. Okay. Now, you may have also heard names such as Jupiter and Juno and Neptune. This might be a little confusing for about 30 seconds. After that, I think we're going to be fine. These are the Roman equivalent for the same god. It's a little bit simplistic to say that it's exactly the same person, but for now, I think that's close enough. So Roman civilization came after and built upon Greek civilization. They took so much from the ancient Greek world. They borrowed, stole, and approved upon things. Religion was one of these things. There's not too much to learn here. The names is about the only difference. And I'm going to go through this quickly. You probably know a lot already. You probably know more than you realize. Zeus is Jupiter. Hera is Juno. Poseidon is Neptune. Demeter is Ceres or Ceres, depending if you have a hard or soft sea sand. Athena is Minerva. Apollo says the same. Apollo is Apollo and boat. Hurrah, easy. Artemis is Diana. Ares is Mars. Aphrodite is Venus. Hephaestus is Vulcan. Hermes is Mercury. Dionysus is Bacchus. Hestia is Vesta. And Hades is Pluto. And that's it. The Greek and the Roman gods. Different names, but let's just say the same person. And that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you took something from it. In our next episode, we're going to get started properly. Strand 1, The World of the Heroes. And we're going to begin by looking at the Odyssey. So join us next time. And goodbye for now.